This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. ...that we describe in our report, but we have gone where the facts and the law lead us, and inescapably, they lead us here. Accordingly, Mr. Chairman, in light of these facts, I ask unanimous consent that the chairman be directed to transmit to the United States Department of Justice relevant select committee records in furtherance of these criminal referrals. So just like World Cup tournament, that's over. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, so yesterday, Jamie, that's Jamie Raskin there. He's part of this bipartisan committee. You had five Republicans. By the way, all appointed by Pelosi, five Republicans. Two people, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who happened to have R's behind their names. And there was a movement from people like Kevin McCarthy. Well, hey, let's put some other people in. Nope. Nope, Nancy said, this is how we're going to go. This, 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 this is how we're going to do it. And we have speaker. Uh, so yesterday, it's a criminal referral. That does, uh, I mean, I'm sure you know this. It doesn't mean there are going to be criminal charges. But guess who it goes to? <laughs> Department of Justice, Merrick Garland. <laughs> what do you think will happen there? And I want to remind, remind folks, and John Marsh and I have talked about this. I mean, really, this thing, you think about, uh, not the premise of it, but the execution of it, they hired a television producer for this slick campaign. And for whoever was watching it or whoever was paying attention, uh, that could have potentially swayed, uh, uh, swayed some people. It was just, it was, from what I said, it was just too slick, John. It was slick from the standpoint of the way it was all produced, but the performances of the lawmakers kind of left <laughs> like they came across like amateurs. Yeah. Uh, maybe no Emmys for the J6 series. So here's what happens now. Uh, it goes to criminal referral. Don't know what will happen. I do know what Mike Pence, remember, uh, there are people saying on J6, hey, kill Mike Pence, get Mike Pence. We know he's got his book out. He talks a lot about those events. I'm going to play some audio. This is uh, uh, Mike Pence on Fox yesterday talking about what he thinks should happen with Trump. And I will let you know, I always feel it's fair to let you know when I have edited audio from a newsmaker and i have edited this to take out all of his references where he says and in my new book i say this i've taken all of those out. when it comes to the justice department's decision about about um about bringing charges in the future i, I would hope that they would not bring charges against the former president so that's pence thinks he shouldn't bring charges and i again from day one i have said that you cannot this guy didn't do that stuff he didn't make those people go and attack the capitol not responsible for it. Not responsible for it. And I want to go back to something, too. Uh, remember this this whole thing, how long this has been going on. I want to go back to some comments that Adam Schiff made uh, earlier this week. I think that the evidence is there that Donald Trump committed criminal offenses in connection with this effort. So I think the evidence was there. Somebody in the room, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't Adam Schiff also the same guy say, when it comes to Russian collusion? Yes. The evidence is there. And uh, Ukraine. <laughs> wasn't he that same guy? The evidence is there. No, it wasn't. Two impeached, failed impeachments later, he wasn't there. So this is the same guy. I think there is sufficient evidence. Uh, it's, it's just, and, and that's a very progressive thing. It's always somebody else's fault. I can't afford to buy a house. Government needs to come up with affordable employee development housing. Because I don't have, it's not my responsibility. It's somebody else has to do it. I don't need to go out and get another job. I don't need to get a second job. I don't need to move to where the housing is more affordable. I need the government to do it for 
me. And that's a progressive way of thinking. Some, all those people that went and did those things, well, it's somebody's fault. It's this guy that we don't like. It's his fault. Blows me away. Welcome to the show. Wake up. And do you think, does this do anything for whatever Trump supporters are left? Do you think, like, does this rally them? Or do they kind of, like more and more people are doing, and don't knock me, man. I love Trump. I got my butt kicked in 2015 when I supported Trump over Rubio and everybody else. And But if you want, go ahead and start the insulting text at 874-9390. So what Trump supporters are left, I wonder, do you think that rallies them? Are they kind of indifferent? Or do they go, I'm paying as much attention to this now as I have paid since the inception of the start of these hearings? I think, like we said the other day, going all the way back to the Mar-a-Lago investigations, it kind of uh, empowers the ever-Trumpers, you know, the the core of his supporters. I think it does. I, I, th- I think... Uh, I think people underestimate his popularity in rural Missouri. Just, sure, look, just look just look at the numbers, the vote totals that he got in 2016 and again again in 2020. Um, and uh, if you listen to our audience, man, I, I definitely think he's still still popular. Yeah. It is important to note very quickly, Brandon, that is a referral. Yep. Ultimately, it's the Justice Department. I mean, the, these media people, they... I, you need to understand that it's a referral that's what it is it's up to the justice department ultimately it probably rises to the level of the attorney general i would think merrick garland but ultimately they are going to have to take a look at all of that but you know they can refer anything they want it's going to be up to merrick garland and his team at the justice department and maybe it does inspire trump supporters or maybe those folks who said you know what i'm washing my hands i'm just moving forward it's not that i dislike trump but i'm going to devote my energy and my emotional attachment to something else moving forward or and i hope because listen whether it's trump or desantis we need trump's mindset back in america there's just no other way around it because we see what's happening now yesterday Corinne Jean-Pierre, just show you the, 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 the lack of, of, of anything happening within the administration. Corinne Jean-Pierre, we have news on Title 42 this morning. This was, by the way, an ask for this stay on Title 42, Missouri, and our soon-to-be senator and current Attorney General Eric Schmidt was a part of this. But yesterday, Corinne Jean-Pierre, as we were waiting to see what SCOTUS would do with Title 42, and by the way, they have said, all right, uh, we're going to pause the lifting of Title 42. This was supposed to go down Wednesday. And I will tell you, Americans nationwide, and especially our brotherly American neighbors along the southern border, are incredibly grateful that there's at least some type of reprieve. So Corinne Jean-Pierre asked yesterday, White House briefing, so Kamala Harris, remember Biden appointed her to be in charge of the border. You remember Biden was just in Arizona while he was licking an ice cream cone. He was asked, why aren't you going to the border? He said, ah, more important thing. Can you fact check that? Was he actually eating an ice cream cone when he said that? Oh, that was tortilla chips. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. So Corinne Jean-Pierre, the mouthpiece for the White House, being asked, okay, uh, uh, SCOTUS is going to hear Title 42 today. 
Uh, the border is just atrocious. We now have cities declaring states of emergency. Nothing is happening. So Corinne Jean-Pierre asks, so what is Kamala? She's in charge of fixing this. What is she doing? I'm wondering if there's any update from this side of the White House on what she's been doing and what she will continue to do as we're expecting an influx at the border. Well, as you know, the president uh, appreciates the partnership that he has with the vice president. You're right. That has been her charge to uh, work in a diplomatic way and finding the root causes of of, um, of migration. I uh, don't have anything to lay out specifically. So after you hear that answer from the mouthpiece for the White House, and you were to go to a fourth grader and ask a fourth grader, uh, so what is Kamala doing at the border? Based on the answer you heard from the White House spokesperson, a fourth grader would be able to tell you, man, fourth grader I, would say, which border? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I Nothing. take take also something else. She said we're we're looking into the root causes of uh, that that um, that kind of. I'm sure that grabbed attention from the Republicans on the Hill here and that. KJP, Karine Jean Pierre. See, I don't like when when my news guys, when Marsh or, or Houseworth gets upset. Uh, but now you got Houseworth upset. They <laughs> <laughs> sure has. Look but, out, he's gonna say. Yeah, Look I mean, out, man. It's it's in the the rea- and the, the reality is I, I see what she's saying I mean oh. clearly there are some root causes but the the that that's not what if you look at what the vice president was tasked with it was essentially border security and down there so the, but that was there was no update that 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 comment she just gave <laughs> there was there was there was no update there and that was the answer. <laughs> Uh, and they talk about root causes. I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, but talking about, well, you know, one of the root causes is uh, is climate change. That's why. Oh, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> that's why they're coming to uh, America. It's too hot south of the border. <laughs> yeah, it's too hot as climate change. But come to America because we don't have climate change here. <laughs> so which is it? Is there climate change or isn't? And if you do believe in climate change to the point we're going to be dead in five years, does it matter if you're in Mexico or Arizona or Utah or Montana? Anna or Missouri, for that matter. It's climate change. It's not Mexico change. Mm. <laughs> it's climate change. And I wish I had a better word than the one that I'm about to use now. Careful. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> these progr- uh, I, I, I just I, I don't know a better word than stupid. And I wish I had a better word. I don't like to use that word. I really don't. I don't like using the word stupid, especially when you're applying it to human beings. And Joe and uh, Kamala and those people, they are human beings, but they are stupid. S-T-O-O-P-I-D. Stupid. Uh, What's weather going to do? You know, it's something that we're going to have to keep a close eye on. Um, The good news today and tomorrow, Brandon and John, is that we're going to be okay I've been in touch uh, multiple times with the Weather Service, Melissa Mainhart. And again, this morning, I talked to Ben Herzog. And the biggest thing right now that is brand new from this morning is that there are now two watches for the entire um, Zimmer listening area, both KWS and also the Eagle. There's a winter storm watch. These times will be a little confusing, folks. I'll explain this quickly. So basically Thursday, we're getting some stuff. Well, yes, but the the, the potential, there's going to be problems through Saturday. So the winter storm watches from 6 a.m. Thursday through 6 p.m. Friday 
wind chill watch from 6 p.m. Thursday through noon on Saturday. So while the snow is going to mainly fall in Jeff City and Columbia overnight Thursday, but let's say between midnight and probably 3, 4 in the afternoon, the it's the aftermath after the awards, the blowing snow and then the plummeting temperatures that are going to cause problems to the point where the Weather Service is urging people not to go out Thursday if they don't have to. Consider alternative plans. Southern Boone canceled school already for Thursday. Saw that tells you that that's significant. And keep in mind, CPS and JCPS will already be out. But that's what we're looking at. Numbers are still being adjusted, probably two to five inches. Folks, don't pay attention to the snow totals. Pay attention to the watches. This is a big deal because forget the snow totals. The snow totals may be a little misleading. It's the plummeting temperatures, the blowing snow. This is going to be a big deal and make darn sure you are prepared and have some food. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, to me, it's kind of like World Cup soccer. So there's not going to be a lot of numbers to this storm, not a whole bunch of snowfall, not a lot of scoring. But it's all the other tapestry that's happening behind the scenes that, uh, with the t- and hence the yeah. two watches because I've never seen them issue two ahead of time like that. But that's what they've done. Fortunately, so as this is going down Christmas Eve, Saturday, hopefully Sunday, be cleaning up. This is really, really good uh, sleigh fly, uh, sleigh flying weather for Santa Claus coming up. This is Wake Up Mid Missouri with Brandon Rathard. Make sure we take them off out of the, the elements and continue to help them. To go to the destination again of their choice. El Paso Mayor Oscar Leeser saying, hey, we're still prepping despite what SCOTUS did yesterday, specifically Chief Justice John Roberts, what he did yesterday, delaying, uh, doing away with Title 42. We are still prepping this morning. That's getting us into today's daily D.C. rundown. Suspense mounting this morning as we take a peek at the uh, border uh, the future, about the future of restrictions on asylum seekers. Asylum seekers. See, now everybody is uh, an asylum seeker. Everybody. Uh, as Supreme Court temporarily blocked a lower court order to stop turning back migrants based on rules set in place at the outset of the coronavirus pandemic. Conservative-leaning states, including Missouri... And our Attorney General Eric Schmidt want to reprieve, though it could be brief, as they push to keep limits on asylum seekers, arguing that increased numbers would take a toll on public services such as law enforcement. These are all these are all happening right now. They're taking a toll on law enforcement. Think about the number uh, even in mid-Missouri, John. We know there's several uh, law enforcement entities. They're shorthanded. Uh, and I'm going to guess a lot of these places and any of these border cities, whether you're uh, border states, Texas, Arizona, what have you, I'm going to guess they're probably having issues with law enforcement staffing, too. So there's that. Oh, and then health care. How do we provide health? And how do we pay for it? Oh, I know. We take John's money. We take Housworth's money. Here, we'll take it from you and give it uh, give it to these people that are here illegally. They are warning officials in Texas. And by the way, to try to give you a better sense of what is happening in those border states, it's not, this is not a conservative talking point. This is a large mixture of Democrats, Republicans, Independents, I would assume Green parties, Libertarian parties are saying, my gosh, please, somebody, somebody do something. This is a whole mix of lawmakers. This is not relegated to one party. Chief Justice, of course, John Roberts granting a stay pending further order. Uh, asking the administration of Joe to respond by 4 o'clock our time today. And this is just hours before the originally the restrictions were slated to expire. Tomorrow, Department of Homeland Security, which is responsible 
for enforcing border security, acknowledged Robert's order and also said the agency would continue preparations to manage the border. You know, kind of like we're doing now. Man. John, were you able to come up with another word for stupid? I don't have my thesaurus with me. I'm trying to think of all these words. Mentally challenged. Mentally challenged. There we go. Meanwhile, a judge dismissing part of a lawsuit filed by Carrie Lake, the defeated Republican candidate for Arizona governor, but is going to allow her to call witnesses in an attempt to prove that she lost because of misconduct by election officials is pretty. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. All of our members, both large and small employers, are very eager to work through a public-private partnership to try to address this issue. That is Gary forward. Gary Plummer. He is the uh, head of the Jefferson City Chamber of Commerce uh, making those comments last night, Jefferson City Council meeting. And uh, the guy who got to play president of the city council last night, uh, Ron Fitzwater, joining us on the show. When Mr. Plummer got up and made those statements, what was your reaction, Ron? Gary was right on point, and I appreciate him coming to meet with us. Appreciate him talking to us, and that's what I had been talking about for a long time. That you know, what happened on the low-income housing tax credit was a speed bump. It was not a brick wall for our community, and we need to get the leaders in the community together. And Gary was right on point. I've had some great conversations over the last ten days with some of those leaders, and Jefferson City is going to come out of this much better. But it's going to be a comprehensive look at. Housing, hopefully in our community, that's what we're going to propose, and that's what Gary talked about. And I so appreciated his leadership last night and his discussion. Well, and because is what he and if you could do me a favor, maybe put your mouth just a little bit closer to the phone. We want you to sound good. Maybe I can do may, that. maybe it's my ears. Maybe I need to put my ears closer to my headphones. City Councilman Ron Fitzwater uh, <laughs> joining us. So is what Gary Plummer was talking about. He as I understand this, this. It was kind of a survey of the business community as to what we can do regarding housing in Jefferson City? Yeah, the, the business com- community has been very engaged in, in this issue, as they should be. They were a part of the housing task force and trying to get to the point where on the low-income housing tax credits, you know, the, it was unfortunate the way that was handled and the way it was presented to council. It, you know, did not go through, but it opened up a dialogue in our community. And I think we have gotten the message across. And again, Mr. Plummer has been a huge advocate that we've got to get the entire community involved in this discussion. And certainly the business community is a very important aspect of that. We've got to get private developers and we've got to get others. And the biggest thing is, you know, we need to use City Hall where we can, where we can be a resource. And then, you know, we need to take government out of this discussion yeah. where we can also. Hopefully our final package will have all of the above, which means private development, which is what we're really looking for, single family, multifamily, where it's appropriate, where the community agrees. But the manufacturers are going to have to help us on a lot of different fronts, not only driving the issue, but you know, hopefully we'll be able to come up with some creative ways where they can invest in some of these programs as well and really get invested in the community on the housing side. So, and I like that, use the city where appropriate and where available, but just don't use the city, i.e. my money, for things like that. Uh, Jefferson City Councilman Ron Fitzwater, he's joining us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. 
Ron, the other morning uh, when you were on the KWS Saturday Morning Show, along with Hal Dooley and uh, Lieutenant Governor Mike Keogh, one thing you pointed out was you didn't think the council spent enough time on this issue before voting, and something the lieutenant governor was quick to point out. And he said there were over 100 applicants to the, for this HDC funding, and only 30-some got it. This, this isn't a done deal on these kind of monies, is it? It absolutely is not. I mean, there's a lot of competition, especially now in this financial environment that we're in. Other cities have gone through troubles like we have. Now, I, I think we're the most recent to have such a significant tornado. So, I mean, there were some that thought that should automatically bump us to the top of the list. And obviously, we'd like to see things done in our community. But yes, it's a very competitive process. But also, as the lieutenant governor pointed out, it's not the end of the road. One, these programs come back every year, the long-term projects. There's also other opportunities within MHDC for what they call a 4, 4% program. And you know, certainly we're looking at that. You know, the Simonson project is one that we're really concerned about just because of the historical significance of that building. It may qualify for that 4% program. So what I've been trying to say, it's not the end of the road. It's a speed bump. We're, we're very talented community, and we've got great people that live here. We can figure out a way around speed bumps if we're all working together. So, yes, the lieutenant governor gave very good counsel, and some of us have taken it to heart. And we went to work about an hour after that MHDC meeting and starting to say, all right, how do we put the pieces together, and how do we move along so we can bring this entire community together, and that's been my goal and my focus. We've hit some chicken wire, not a brick wall. Uh, it's a speed exactly. pump, not a roadblock. Uh, I used to have a guy, I guess I'd call him kind of a spiritual advisor. I shy away from that term because I feel like it's cheesy, but the guy helped me immensely. And I'd go to him and say, like, oh, I'm having a bad day. People at work hate me. And I would just think it was the end of everything. Or I'd made a mistake or something. And here's what he would tell me, Ron. He would say, uh, your story's not done yet. The book's not over. You're still writing your story. I thought very powerful stuff. Uh, and then this this will be, I'm guessing, fun for uh, a while. So November the 8th, voters approve the recreational weed. December the 8th, it's it's legally okay to have it within a certain amount. You still can't buy it or sell it, but you can. Can you gift it to somebody? I wonder if you can't buy yours. What if I just gave? I don't know how that works. But uh taxing it we know the state's got to tax recreational weed six percent municipalities based on that amendment do have the ability to tax it at three percent uh any initial thoughts on on this we're still i don't know almost two months out of it probably going on sale any thoughts on this mr fitzwater yeah we had the first read of a bill that went through our admin committee a couple weeks ago i mean each municipality, my understanding is it has to be a municipality, not a county, but each municipality has the ability to put a tax on up to 3%. So we had the first read, the recommendation coming out of our legal department and out of the admin committee was that we discuss approaching the voters about a 3%. So we had a discussion last night, is next April the appropriate time to do it? Well, obviously, if you don't do it in April, it's going to be April of 2024 because we don't have November elections. If we were to do it in November, the city would have to foot the entire cost. So then you push it into 24. And some counsel from them that they've watched other states that 
if you don't implement it right away, it gets to be very cumbersome to try to bring it back. Now, there was some pushback, too, and I, I, I don't know where I stand on it yet. Mm-hmm. Our county did not approve the the initiative, Amendment 3. Of course, it passed statewide. So, again, it's mm-hmm. something we need to go out and talk to the voters about and see what the voters are interested in. Obviously, the question is, should we put it on a ballot? And that does give the voters a chance to weigh in on it. But I would like to have that discussion prior to. But, yes, our city is, is on top of it. We had the first read last night, and it'll come back to us on January 3rd at our first meeting in the new year. And, and we'll, we'll probably have to make decisions very quickly if, if we're going to get it on the April 2023 ballot. Ron, talk to us about uh, flipping back to the workforce housing issue. That We hear rumblings, and you on the council have heard rumblings from Scholastic and some big other you know, manufacturing concerns that employ a lot of people in mid-Missouri, Quaker Windows and Millard County and Osage and all. This has been a challenge with getting workforce people squared away, ready to work, and it seems like this lack of housing kind of is prompting some of those companies to talk seriously about relocating some of their operations outside of mid-Missouri. Well, it's, it's something that we on council obviously take very seriously. I mean, we so value our employers all the way from top to bottom and certainly our small business, but the, the big employers have been the ones that have weighed in on this, this issue. I think the important thing to remind people, and I think Lieutenant Governor Kehoe pointed out also that this is a national problem. Communities all across our country are facing the same issue. Now, that doesn't mean we duck it in our community because it's important for our community, but it's not unique just to Jefferson City. It's something that communities across the country are wrestling with. But we need to sit down with them. We need to talk. We've got a meeting set up in a couple of weeks with three of the large employers to you know, continue those discussions. And again, we've got some other exciting things, I think, that, that will be coming available here soon and working again with a, a broad cross cut. But yes, I mean, they have to look at their investments, how they can get employees in, in their facilities, and they make those tough decisions. You know, I think we can sit down with them and continue to show that, again, it, it was not a brick wall. This community was not saying, absolutely, we do not understand there's a housing issue. It was, we've got to do it the right way, and we've got to get everybody to the table. And I I think they understand that. I have not heard it directly from them. But, again, Gary Plummer talks to them regularly. I think he has a good feel. And I think his comments, to me, sent the message that, this is a dialogue, but we need to get on top of it. We can't just continue to kick the can down the road and, you know, I've made that comment on other issues, and I, I personally, you know, I'm one of ten votes, but I personally do not intend to kick it down the road. So we're not going to kick it down the road, but we're not so we're also not going to s- solve it by the next city council meeting. Jefferson City Councilman Ron Fitzwater on Wake Up Mid Missouri 93.9 The Eagle 104.5 News Radio 950 KWOS. Mr. Fitzwater, before we let you go, is there anything else that you would like to add so that we could be of service to the folks here in Mid Missouri? Well, I was listening to the bumper music as I was waiting to go on, and it, it talked about I love local news and oh, you know, yeah, like yeah. political and news bound together. So, I, mean, I I just appreciate what you do for our community, all of mid-Missouri, and getting the message out because people want to know what's going on. They need to know what we're doing at city council. So yeah. 
mean, I appreciate you covering our entire community and just wish you all a very Merry Christmas and thank you for all that you do for us. Merry Christmas to you, Thanks, City Ron. Councilman Ron Fitzwater. Uh, Jefferson City was interesting, John. I didn't see all of it, but I also saw some of the Columbia City Council meeting, and I kid you not. So, uh, affordable housing it came up in Columbia last night, and it wasn't just as it relates to homelessness. It's like all of a sudden Jefferson City is starting this trend. And I know we've talked about affordable housing for years, but I can't Columbia got their HDC money they applied for. Uh, And so Columbia, they got their money. Um, But it came up, and I don't know if it was tried to, if they tried to posit it as as, uh, workforce development housing or affordable housing, but I I, I got whiplash. Whoa, this is uh, the Columbia City Council meeting after it was talked about in the Jefferson City Council meeting. Important bipartisan work. <laughs> bipartisan. We'll just stop it right there at KJP following uh, the referral yesterday by the J6 committee. There should be some criminal charges here. Don't know if that's going uh, going to happen. Obviously, the whole thing is uh, just an incredible made-for-television Sham. Welcome to the show. Wake up mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather, joined by John Marsh, Brian Housworth, Chris is in, Hannah, Steph, back on, uh, back on Monday. Stanford has a guide, uh, and by the way, John Marsh, before he knew this was coming up, you already actually used one of these words this morning. Figures. Yeah, 615. And it was actually, it's a, I, I have heard this before. But I was in, like, grade school. But Stanford, they have this guide, uh, you know, the harmful language stuff. And so first thing you do is fact check it because some of the stuff in here, come on, they don't really want to get rid of that. Because I always ask, people talk about words can be hurtful. And a lot of times somebody could, could use a word and they're like, whatever, it's just a word. But then somebody tells them, hey, you know, this word 300 years ago. You know what it means, and you should be mad. And then all of a sudden, that person who could cared less when they heard that word before, now that they've been, in effect, indoctrinated, now all of a sudden when they hear it, they get upset. Only they're not really upset. They're upset because somebody told them they should be upset. Uh, But the word you use, John, and I have more here. Uh, You you said uh, America. How dare I? Yeah. Uh, And this is one I actually heard in grade school. But apparently, according to Stanford, they highly advise you don't use the word America when referring to yourself as a U.S. citizen. I use this all the time, us Americans, uh, because typically it refers to people from the United States, thereby insinuating the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. The Americas uh, has 42 countries. I wonder if somebody who lives in South America, let's say like they're from Argentina and they're celebrating World Cup victory, they say, yes, America won. I don't know how that works. And I was prepared to, uh, I guess, kind of laugh at this list. But I agree with Stanford on something, John. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And I'm like, okay, because my, I think a lot of us, not just me, a lot of us, our take on this is so simplistic. And the idea that people want us to do this is so stupid. I still can't find another word for stupid, John. Um, Stanford says... You should, you should use pronouns. You should not use preferred pronouns. Preferred pronouns. That's like when somebody says, well, my name is Lisa and I prefer to be called she or whatever. And most of the people, by the way, I've seen those in emails say, and I prefer to be identified. It matches with what their scientifically God-given gender is anyway. But anyhow, so Stanford is saying don't use preferred pronouns. 
because preferred suggests that non-binary gender identity is a choice and a preference. It is not fact, nor is it science. That stuns me coming from Stanford. Don't use words like freshman and congresswoman because the gender binary language does not include everyone. So how am I supposed to talk about Vicki Hartzler being on the show at 835 this morning, John? Congressperson? I guess just say, hey, hi, Vicki. Yeah. Don't use congresswoman. Don't use pronouns. Don't use pronouns. Maybe I'll ask Congress. Congress person. Congressperson Hartzler, what do you think about Title 40, uh, 42? Grandfathered. Don't use that word, uh, you know, because it's got history. Use legacy status instead. Or like we do with John, just use the word legend. Um, don't use phrases like that have violence in them. Beating a dead horse. Pull the trigger. Killing two birds with one stone. <laughs> don't use those words. My goodness. I wonder who we were. Do people get paid to sit around and think of these things? Well, it's academia. You, you know, I think you answered your own question. Yeah. We just sit here and just think about stupid stuff.